0: Welcome to episode 18 of the Life Coaching with Ryan podcast. In this episode, I start my conversation with Mary Shores, author of the book Conscious Communications, specifically about how our words to ourselves impacts our lives and her use of the term barrier beliefs. Enjoy. All right. Well, then I say we get started. What do you think? Yep, All right. I'm ready. Awesome. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another fantastic episode or series of episodes. Uh, this one is on conscious communications and that is a system created by the wonderful CEO, author and badass Mary Shores. Say hello. Hello. We actually met in San Diego at an entrepreneur conference and uh, hit it off right away. And had a great time. We were sitting at the same table uh, for the two days. And I'm just so excited for her to talk about her book. So, uh, what I would really love, Mary, is if you could just tell us a little about yourself in your own words. So that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So,
1: I think that um, I have this really unusual story. And I won't go too much into it because I'm sure we'll talk about some things uh, as we progress through the interview. But one thing I'd like to say is that I've achieved an enormous amount of success in my life. Um, The kind of success that looks like what you have when you've been a CEO for 20 years. When you've been a CEO in a very tough industry, I do own a debt collection company, which typically shocks people because let's face it, we're, we're sort of in this like enlightenment community and that's all well and wonderful but like this the world still has to work and somebody has to do that job and um that's me so (laughs) i I get to raise my hand for that one like didn't know i was going to be doing that but aside from that from the level of success that that i have achieved which like I said, it's, it's really good, and I'm super proud of it. Uh, the more important thing is to understand that I really came from a place of nothing, that I was, I'm not going to claim that I was homeless when I was 16, but I pretty much was a couch surfer and did not have a home of my own. I wasn't in, I never felt like I was in danger, but I might have been just a little naive to how vulnerable my situation actually was as a 16-year-old girl. Um, After that, I still managed to graduate high school somehow, but I became a teenage mother at the age of 19, and my daughter was born with pretty severe and profound brain damage. And so what this looks like is that she was blind, she was deaf, she was unable to suck a bottle, so she had to have a gastronomy tube surgically implanted into her stomach so that we could feed her through like an IV pole type of a situation. She was also on uh, many multiple medications per day. We're talking about serious things like morphine and phenobarbital. Um, Aside from that, it was living a life 19, 20 years old, literally living in the emergency room, sleeping on the emergency room floor, not knowing. I mean, I was literally living a life and death situation every day of my life and probably did not have the wisdom at that point to understand how devastating, uh, the situation was that I was in. Um, Haley did pass away when she was a year and a half old, which sounds tragic, but honestly, um, they did not expect her to live for three days. So when she was born, um, she was actually transported to another hospital. I was in one town. She was in another town an hour away. And I didn't even see her until she was four days old. So the expectation was she would not even live long enough for me to be, um, I don't remember what it's called, like discharged from, right. the, from the hospital mm-hmm. in order to get over to her because she was at a more a facility that could handle, they had a neonatal unit, those kinds of things. So after that, you know, my, my, I I was really at rock bottom, as you can imagine. And my, my life could have went in two different directions. Actually, it could have went in like a million different directions. I mean, I could have joined the circus for all. (laughs) 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 I only say join the circus because a couple weekends ago, I went back to San Diego and I was in this mastermind where one of the activities we did was we we were like swinging on this trapeze. It was really crazy. So probably not any circuses in my future as I totally was not good at it. Anyway, um, you know, it was like, statistically, we know how my story should have ended up like drugs, alcohol, really no, not much of a form of a career outside of like, I don't know, manager at the dollar store or something like that. Um, but why, but, but it took a very different turn and, had a lot of twists and turns, up and down journey, the entrepreneurial roller coaster, uh, surviving, you know, the surviving that experience of a special needs child only to later on get married and have another special needs child who is still with me today. He's 18. His name is Keegan, and he is on the autism spectrum. Uh, For him, that looks like he's extremely brilliant um, and also extremely difficult to live with. So, honestly, leave, leave it there for you. That's like enough about me uh, now that I've got you thoroughly depressed. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll just take it from there.
0: Yeah, actually. And I think you do a great job of weaving that into that part of your story into your book and how conscious communications came about um, from you kind of rewriting your experience um, and rewriting what it meant to you and and how it would carry you forward. And in fact, before we move on to details from the book, I thought it'd be nice to just touch on really quick, especially as you brought it up about uh, being a debt collector on this spiritual journey. You talk about, um, this critical moment you had talking to this woman, um, You gave her a pseudonym i can't recall it off the top of my head but um how she helped bring you clarity on how you could be a debt collector seeking enlightenment and i was hoping you might just touch on that for a second
1: you know i would love to because i think that i think right now we're all on this quest to be searching for purpose and meaning in our lives and the and in fact it's so important and so radical that I even call it like we're on we're all on this quest to find our purpose with a capital P like it has to be this big ginormous life-changing um, pursuit of something and we, we, we have no idea what it is and it's like we're supposed to go through this hero's journey or sometimes I'll even make the joke like you're you're traveling through you know getting to the mountains of Mordor trying to figure out what your purpose is. And so what happened to me was, um, you know, I I kind of by default became a debt collector. And so we won't go into that whole story on this show, but certainly if you want to know more, you can read the book. Um, yeah. I kind of fell into the, into, into the profession. And I really, because, you know, so many times you hear somebody who has a business and it's like you're expecting this big empowerment story. Mine was the opposite. It was really, I had nothing going on in life. And so this opportunity presented itself and I took it. Um, little did I know, like, When it came to this moment where I met this woman, I was at Omega Institute on uh, on vacation, and this woman she was the Akashic Records reader, and I'm kind of sitting out on the porch with her, kind of like picture two women sipping their coffee in rocking chairs, like wooden wooden rocking chairs, right? Not the ones with the cushions, but. You're just kind of sitting there and we're chatting and I'm telling her, I'm saying, you know, I said, I just, I really made this decision years ago that I wanted to take a more spiritual path in life. And at this point, it wasn't so much about the spirituality as it was that I wanted to reach the top of that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, I wanted to get to that self-actualization point and then all of my problems in the life would go away because Obviously. I am actualized. Right? <laughs> I don't That's know not when how that
0: works. <laughs>
1: I know I don't know when you get the button that says like, is it like a degree? Like she's actualized now. So I'm going on about this, and I said, you know, I said my biggest fear is that I am going to have to give up my career in order to take this spiritual path because everybody knows that the tax collector in the Bible was actually not a popular dude at all. Right. Right. Um, and in life, it's it's sort of that same way The de- the debt collectors have a very negative stigma attached to what they do. And rightly so. And so in my mind, I was like one or the other, not one and the other. And she looked at me and, and she already knew like my whole communication story, the strategy I had developed. She knew my entire philosophy about making, wanting people to feel good about paying their debt. She knew what I was about at this point in the conversation. And she looked at me and she said, don't you realize your work is your spiritual path. And the light bulb went off. And I think I titled that section in the book, the karmic debt collector. Yeah. Because what she said to me next was she said that every time you are helping to heal somebody of the debt crisis in their life, she said, you know, debt is like a karma. People can come in with like a debt karma. She was saying like they're just predisposed to, to have this debt in their life. And she said, every time you're helping someone with that, what you're actually doing is you're cleaning out that karma. Like I'm a debt vacuum cleaner or something. (laughs) And, um, but then she said, she went on to say, and every time you're clearing their karma, it automatically clears your own karma. Now, I am not an Akashic Records reader, mm-hmm. and I can only pretend to follow what she says, not fully understand it. Because at this point in life, I'm not actually even sure how much I believe in karma. Because you'll, you'll listen to one spiritual teacher that'll talk about karma, and then you'll listen to another one and say, oh, that's just made up stuff that doesn't even really exist. I don't know what the truth is, but I know that when she said that to me, it spoke to me. And I was like, it gave me the permission, the encouragement and the motivation that I needed to step even more fully into that role, even more fully to get on this mission and say, yes, this is what I'm about. I'm proud of it. And I'm going to make change in this industry, that is the dent I can make in the collective consciousness, is we need to reframe the way that we think and behave about money and debt in this country and in the world. If we're going to go absolutely. global, we, this is this is what has to happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've, I found that so fascinating because I, myself... Um, even having spent time with you, was still trying to process that. And so when I got to that passage in your book, I just thought how perfect this is. I mean, anyone who's had even simple credit card debt and were wondering how they were going to pay it, there's a burden, there's a psychological and emotional burden. And so um, that you were able to connect that to your spiritual path, that you were able to connect that to your conscious communications and just the work you were already doing, I just found so powerful, uh, and as you said it's about reframing and understanding context instead of staying in a victim consciousness that um, you know somehow you're doing the debt collector is doing something to me especially the way you approach debt collection uh, which is significantly different than others with intimidation and etc um, but that you can genuinely help a person get their life back which they don't have while they're in debt and they're worried about it so I just thought that was so fascinating well Let's dive into the book a little bit here. I I wanted to open with barrier beliefs because um, I have talked on multiple occasions with multiple guests about limiting beliefs, but there was kind of a distinction that you made with barrier beliefs. I was hoping you could elucidate just a little bit.
1: Yeah, I... um definitely myself have studied limiting beliefs. And when it came down to writing, you know, part of it is when you become a writer, you have this enormous fear that you're going to sound like every other person, right? Because essentially, if you're writing a nonfiction personal development book that is all about manifesting your reality, really, we're all writing the same book. Right. You know? <laughs> the thing that makes it different is, the way that we describe it, the way that our personal stories interact. I was actually just over the weekend reading um, The Girl, Wash Your Facebook. Mm. And yeah, I'm and like, recommended. this is my book. I mean, it's yeah. my book. It's the same philosophies, just her stories are different than mine, right? And that's great because there's so many books that are the same book. So if you're thinking about being a writer, just know it's going to feel that way and it's okay, right? Good to know. But, uh, I'm in that yes. process myself. Yes. So. It is going to feel like you are writing the same book that everyone else has written, and that's fine. In fact, it's a good thing because the universe needs that many books to be out, right? We, the universe needs that. Okay, so back to what, what you said. I remember... Um, Years and years ago, I was watching a Will Smith video that I love. It was like after my divorce, I used to watch this Will Smith video every single day because I was really devastated and I was a functioning catatonic. And one of the, on one of the videos, he said that when he was a little boy that his father wanted him to build a brick wall. And he said that you don't set out to build a brick wall. But that you lay one brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid, and eventually you have a brick wall. Now, what I the spin that I took on this was completely different, but I realized that when your belief systems are not in alignment with what you want, it is not just that it limits you, it literally builds a brick wall in between you and the thing that's on the other side. And the reason that this is so important is because just the concept of limiting beliefs. Paints a certain picture, you know. Like maybe it's going to be a little bit harder for you to get there, or you know, you've got to put some extra steps, or you're going to have to climb a ladder a little bit harder. What I'm saying, no, this is a wall. This is a wall. You're not climbing over that wall. I mean, if you you better get a good ladder. But it's a wall. It's a (laughs) barrier. And so the way to get past a barrier is to go through it. You've got to break through those barriers with like a strong punch. Get to the other side, break through that barrier. So I like the imagery of a brick wall because it really shows you how devastating and more than just limiting, but like will stop you dead in your tracks if you have one of these walls. And it doesn't matter if it's about your health, if it's about your finances, it's about your relationships. It doesn't matter if it's even just about like, oh, you know, one of mine is that I'm domestically challenged. You know, I just, (laughs) and, and, you know, you kind of got to make that decision. I either care about this or I don't care about this. I really don't care about being domestically challenged. I mean, who
0: cares? (laughs) Some people genuinely do. Well, it's interesting because as you were just talking, I was thinking about how, Uh, you build a wall over time, just as you said. So all of these different things that you say to yourself, and that's why we're talking about conscious communications, because we're analyzing the way we speak to ourselves and others and how that creates our world. And so you're talking to yourself. Each brick is something that you say to yourself and whether it's the same thing you say over and over again, and each one is a new brick that you add, or as you say, other negative and self-limiting things, you add that. And, and even in like to completely switch metaphors I'm thinking of the like little baby elephants and you put some twine around their leg and a stake and they can't pull it out and then they just associate the twine with never being able to move so even when they're huge and could easily rip through that thing um, they still think they can't do it and I, I think so often that's what these types of belief systems come down to is we built them as a defense mechanism Walls may keep us from going forward, but they also keep things from coming in and hurting us and Mm -hmm. or keeping us from adventuring out into dangerous places where we could get hurt. But that only functions for so long until just you're trapped in a little box and miserable when you could be, you know, people say, live your best life. You know, I think that we don't realize how capable we are. And so we've already built this huge wall around ourselves for protection, but we actually don't need the protection that we think we need.
1: You know, it's so true. And what you're saying is just, you know, reminding me of the original intention of my book in the first place, which is to prove that we are literally constructing our realities brick by brick, frame by frame around us. And it doesn't have to be this mystical force, law of attraction or metaphysics. It's, it's the way that our multi-dimensional brains were developed to work in the first place. It's so, complicated and vast. Do you realize that we know more about space, the cosmos, than we know about our own functionality and capabilities oh, yeah. of the human brain?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting um, just as we unlock and understand different components of biology, because we still don't really, we, we can extrapolate that these things are survival instincts but we can't necessarily uh, understand. We don't. We're still discovering the full mechanism with how the different chemicals work, and and what triggers what and when. And you have to you have to develop new tools, and you have to you, know, you have to take blood, and you have to look at brains. What I love just to touch on what you were saying about well, how much do I really believe in this kind of woo-woo stuff? As some people refer to it, is you know go back to episode one uh, of this podcast. My whole thing is it doesn't really matter if the the woo is literally true because we have analogs in psychology and biology and we there's multiple ways to understand the same thing. So if you're down with the woo and you're like, yes, I got my Akashic records read and it all made perfect <laughs> sense to me, then cool, good on you. And if it made zero sense to you, but then you were like, oh no, I understand the psychological principle of how we go, how we learn to survive or or how we hold mental burdens, like talking about chronic versus acute stress, you know. We're we're meant to address acute stress in our lives. When it becomes chronic, it's a different problem. You know, we can understand these same principles uh, in kind of Western psychological ways, Western scientific ways. So, um, I mean, use whatever language is readily available to you, whether it's kind of woo-woo or super Western science or whatever, it really doesn't. I mean, Western science is even a terrible term, but I think you understand what I mean.
1: (laughs) I do, I absolutely do. And I think to, to piggyback on that, it doesn't really matter to me what someone believes or doesn't believe because the process is working regardless of our belief system and when I say belief system I don't mean in the in the sense of what we were talking about with barrier beliefs I just mean the overall arching like are you a Christian or you know do you you know what 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 is your overall beliefs like you look at law of attraction and think, oh, that's ridiculous because you're completely scientific minded. It doesn't matter because the process is still working whether you believe it is or not, and that's fine.
0: Yeah, that was a great thing. I opened up a book on Aikido and uh, the first passage was this discussion about the unbendable arm and is the unbendable arm because of ki or is the unbendable arm because of micro muscles? And the author said, I don't care, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter. What matters is I do this exercise and it makes it work. And so I've ceased to care about the how I understand. If I understand the value of it, then that's why I do it. And I definitely think that our, our beliefs are tools and that they can um, just like we're talking about barrier beliefs. If you believe you can't do it, you're setting, uh, an obstacle for yourself that if you believe you can do it, you don't have, and then you use your energy in a different way. So, um, it does. So it, it's the same thing when someone talks about anything, whether it's science or, um, you know, Eastern philosophy, you you can spend time arguing about whether or not it's true, or you can decide does that value or not to me and, and use it or don't. Um, and actually, in the vein of what works and what doesn't, uh, it, it, multiple times in your book, you hit directly or indirectly on, you know, people want to say, change your thoughts. It's like, Okay, how? There, there's this kind of inherent, I'm going to say bullshit, to especially our culture, where people say, well, just stop doing the thing that hurts you. Okay, great. But you haven't given me any advice how you're assuming that somehow I'm just going to like, automatically know how to get into my brain and tweak this thought. And that's not necessarily real. So one specific thing talking about barrier beliefs that you discussed was how action is greater than belief. That sometimes it's not about operating on the level of thought, but actually operating on action. Um, and I thought that was that was really fascinating. That it's, because I hear it all the time. We, we, we travel some of the same circles and there, there's a lot about like take action no matter what you believe. Um, but moreover, it's about replacing that belief. I feel like I'm gonna get down a rabbit hole here. So I'm gonna back off and just go with action is greater than belief. Why do you think it is that action is greater than belief?
1: So I think that it's all very powerful. You know, if we if we were to say, talk about alignment for a moment, like the most basic understanding that I have about alignment, which by the way, the reason I make a point to define alignment is because years ago when I was a little baby, a uh, spiritual development person, <laughs> I would hear everyone talk about alignment. And I was literally like, what the heck is that? Like, that doesn't even make sense to me. I don't understand. And it was something that delayed me for like two years because I, I I didn't understand or like Eckhart Tolle, the power of now. I'm like, what are you kidding me? Um, because when you're entrepreneurial minded, you don't necessarily think in terms of now and present moment. You're, you're always thinking about the future and learning from your past. The now does not exist, except for it does. And that was so hard for me to understand. Well, alignment to me is when you have your thoughts, your words, your actions, your choices, your beliefs, your behaviors, all that good stuff, like all moving in the same direction. If I had my whiteboard up here because I love whiteboards. I would draw, I would draw an arrow. And I would draw a line with an arrow at the end and I would put little dots that said thoughts, words, actions in alignment. They all need to be moving in the same direction. Well, what often happens is our thoughts are, we want this thing. I want to lose 20 pounds. But our actions are, I go home and I eat a Snickers bar. Let's see, what was I just eating? Bar calls is Kit Kat, I'm telling on myself here, <laughs> Right. Yeah. So my thought is want to lose 20 pounds but what is my action right here this kit this is a special halloween kit cat bar
0: I see that I see But it.
1: it's still out of alignment it was orange it wasn't it was actually orange um anyway my point is that is an example of out of alignment okay so you might have to bring me back to the original
0: the oh, original so, oh
1: it's talking about actions yes so I think that everything is equally powerful. So if you are a person who is capable of changing your thoughts, that will work for you. There are some of us that I tried to change my thoughts, I literally thought I was gonna end up in the mental hospital that day. Because no matter how hard I tried to control what I was thinking, it spiraled out of control very quickly. Like I literally gotta understand me, because I am such a nerd. I was going in to have a massage, I literally was listening to Neville Goddard's Self-Talk Creates Reality um, on YouTube. It's a great, like I want to say 20 minute listen. And so I'm going in to have my massage and I'm like, I am going to plan the thoughts that I am going to have during my massage. And what do I choose to think about? My ex-husband, like how (laughs) stupid could I be? (laughs)
0: <laughs> you're a baby you're a wee baby it's okay
1: this is this is so ridiculous that I even thought this would work so I go into the massage and I'm like think happy thoughts about the ex think happy thoughts we are rate. we are co-parenting our children you know I've got all these aff- affirmations Ryan I wrote them all out ahead of time I'm so prepared
0: and they all felt I like mean, lies
1: it was ridiculous yeah. I was I just started crying like I my massages are 90 minutes about 45 minutes in, I just start bawling and I can't handle it anymore. Cause like I'm having a massage, which should be relaxing, but what's happening inside my head is like mental torture. So this brought me to the realization that not everyone has that capability of changing their thoughts and that's okay. Because see, it's a feedback loop, that arrow, if we put it all, if we just took that arrow and made it into a circle, you change any one of those things and it changes the others, okay? So what I found works for me is changing action, just going for it anyway, bulldoze or break through that barrier belief. So the whole, you know, I think in Law of Attraction they call it act as if, Mm-hmm. take action in the direction that I want to go. And then what happens is it will reverse engineer the neural pathway that I'm trying to create by changing my thoughts. So one of my great stories on that was when I was starting to write um, and I didn't really believe that I was a writer. I took action by going to a writer's workshop. And then when my brain saw the evidence that it needed that, Hey, I can actually write something and people like it. Then it it's like, If you think about your neural pathways as a garden, it was like the little seed had been planted in the garden, and then I just needed to feed that seed more than feeding the seed or feeding the weed, I should call it, of the negative belief that I wasn't actually a writer. So what did I do? I just did something that was on the path of where I wanted to go. I think in chapter one, I talk about this as like, you know, what you want is like a mountain. Mm-hmm. And you're always either walking towards that mountain or walking away from that mountain, and so going to this writer's workshop was definitely walking towards the mountain
0: well, and I love also that something that I've talked about well it's kind of it's two stories they're separate, but they're connected um, one is about again, actually regarding the belief in exactly what you just described. I don't remember if I've told the story before on my podcast about um, the younger brother of a girl I was dating in high school and how we were at a rock climbing gym and he kept saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, and the woman who had his line just basically ignored him and kept pulling on his line. We're just like, keep going keep going and it didn't matter that he didn't believe he could get to the top he got to the top and then when he got to the top he rewrote his belief that he was capable and and that to me is that second key part you know having been a teacher for over a decade when you redirect a student and you say stop doing that that's not really a full redirection that's just like and it's not even a full correction that's just stop that what you need to say is additionally what I'd like is for you to do Y stop doing X and start doing Y. So in the same vein, you have to replace the thought that you have with one that will serve you. Don't just say, stop thinking that thought say, I would like to think this thought instead, which is action helps do that. Because as you said, you kind of find evidence that you can have this new thought.
1: And sometimes, you know, with our spirituality, sometimes there's a bigger mission at hand. And what I ultimately realized about like the whole conundrum of how I was thinking about my ex-husband is when I trace that down to the actual need inside of me, it was a need for unconditional love and support, which actually had nothing to do with him. He was just a constant reminder because isn't our world a constant reminder of what we have lack of in our life. And so he was just uh, somehow reflecting to, me this feeling of lack of unconditional love and support now within a very quick period of time i want to say like less than a day um once i realized that through the help of my what i call my magical reiki massage goddess um therapist uh is because she helped me to see that what the need is is unconditional love and support and that my belief was that this unconditional love and support should come from the father of my children Um, and you know, it's, it's 10 years later, not really 10 years, but 10 years after my divorce. And I'm still working on that belief and, um, still needing to let go of any expectation for him to step up and, and be what I believe he should be. But the bigger, but the the bigger spiritual teaching is. Sometimes we come into this life, and we're going to learn certain lessons. And so I don't care how often you want to change your thoughts. If that's the lesson you're you're going to learn, then you got to learn it. And and I guess I like used to like to learn my lessons the hard way because um, sometimes yeah. they took a long like it's, it's a lifetime to work on these things.
0: Well, an and unconditional so, love especially.
1: Absolutely. And I woke up the next morning just feeling this immense amount of gratitude for how much unconditional love and support that I actually did have in my life. The thing was, I was trying to package it in this package of my ex-husband and ignoring all the other evidence around me that I actually already had this in my life. Um, It just wasn't the traditional what my expectation was.
0: Well, I just wanted to touch on uh, two different components of that neural pathway that you were talking about and whether it's the garden reference or uh, in in a class the self class i took um the teacher was saying that we tend to uh, walk in a circle repeating the same things over and over and over again and that it's like we build this little path for ourselves you know some people talk about like being in a rut mm-hmm. you know we build this little path for ourselves And as soon as he said that, I had this image of someone leaning against a wall, like they've made that rut so deep, (laughs) it has actually built up around them at this point. And I thought, well, how do you get out of that if you can't climb out of it? And then it occurred to me that by making these small adjustments, like you're talking about, um, it's like leaning against that wall. And eventually... You start to change the shape of that rut, and a circle becomes a spiral, and you're able to get yourself out of that situation that you were in.
1: Yeah, I love the metaphor. I believe the metaphor I use in the book is that of like a girl who's ziplining or rock rock climbing, and you know you have to you have to throw that. You have to throw that, I don't know what it's called, but hitch and yeah. something. You have to throw that. And like getting across that that cavern the first time is really difficult. But once you do it over and over and over again, it's like you're building a bridge between those those two places. And that's because you can use like neural pathways, it's so fun and easy to find metaphors for because you can mm-hmm. use like highway systems, you know, you're building a new highway and that's your new your new pathway. You could use hiking trails, weeds in the garden, you know, feed Feed the seed that's going to nourish your soul and choke out the ones that are the weeds. But ultimately, it's the same thing is you want to. We know for a fact that we, uh, even into very late elderly stages of life, we are constantly building new neural networks. Neural networks are made up of things like synapses and neurons and and how they connect to each other. So the synapses are what connects the neurons, but you want to create a roadmap to connect the neurons in a certain way that's going to support your growth and development. And we're living in a time when we can do that. It's like one of the first times ever.
0: Well, when you have so many of your needs met, you know, you talk about Maslow's hierarchy, when it's more common for your basic needs to be met, there's this interesting fork that occurs that I think when someone's in survival mode, they don't have time to be neurotic. <laughs> so <laughs> right. we have we have this really fascinating double-edged sort of a situation that because so many of our basic needs are met, um, we have time to think about ourselves, which leads some of us into just kind of really negative spaces and others into these really powerful spaces, because again, we have these, you know, I've taught, brought up Brooke Castillo before these fundamental, um, ways that we approach or urges, how we approach our reality. And they are to, uh, you know, do what feels good, to seek pleasure, to avoid pain and to do what's efficient. And I like to joke that when you spend your days smashing your head against a wall, that in fact is the most efficient thing you know how to do and stopping and making a different choice is actually harder. So, again, when you're in this space, you're not handling your survival needs, you have even more time to smash your face. (laughs) It's so true. Against that wall. And it just makes this whole thing even more complicated at times.
1: Yeah. And smashing your face could look differently for every person. I mean, for me, it might look like procrastination. For another person, it might be making the same mistake over and over again or choosing the same relationship over and over again. It's just like many different variations of the same habit and breaking breaking that habit in, in multiple different ways that you could choose to do it.
0: And I think what I want to bring up an exercise that you you uh put in the book, and that is this a hundred things I love about me. Cause mm-hmm. I thought it was such a cool way to break out of some of those repetitive messages. Cause barrier beliefs are so often built around the I can't, I'm not capables, I'm not enoughs. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a cool way to see yourself in a new light, to transform yourself into a to by recognizing your good qualities your power however you want to describe it so i was hoping you could talk a little bit about that
1: yeah you know it supports so much what we were talking about before with like my <coughs> spiritual path because one of the things that i needed to learn and to recognize is that our spiritual path is really the things that we're just naturally gifted and talented at. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. And but so often we're taught to go against that natural skill set. So if you know if your if your superpower is that you are a stay-at-home mom and you make the best chocolate chip cookies that have ever been tasted in the history of chocolate chip cookies, that's important. It's very important. And it's important that you do that because by doing that, you are feeding that creativity section of your brain that really needs to be fed and it's important. Um, So it doesn't matter what your superpower is, just that you are following it and feeding it. The 100 things I love about me exercise came from years ago when I used to um, have a relationship coach. And he really specialized in uh, women that were successful uh, successful uh, women who were having trouble with dating because he felt like they didn't really understand their value. And so this is an ever evolving process, but it's so important to do the exercise because it is going to help you grow new neural pathways in the direction of whatever your path is supposed to be. Now, when you first, so the exercise is that you want to make a list of a hundred things that you love, or I think when I did it, I called that I liked about myself. Um, you get through 20, about 20 things and you're, you're really going through this like superficial list. And then you have to dig deep because 100 is a big number.
0: That's a big number. I was like, I want to try this before I sit down with you. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting 100 done in a few days.
1: It took me more than a month to do mine. And I honestly, like, uh, this is my truth. I wouldn't have finished it if I wouldn't have had him on the phone every week saying, okay, what number are you on? What what did you add? Because it was really hard. And what's fascinating to me is how many actual blogs have now been written because people did this exercise and just the transformation that they went through with this exercise alone. I mean, one woman wrote, wrote that when she got to about, I don't know, 10 or 20 on the list, she just totally broke down because she realized how much self-hatred was actually happening with her. But she forced herself, literally like her words, I forced myself to do this even though I didn't want to. And at the end of it, she ended up falling in love with herself again. And what she said next, which this is the power, okay? Because what she said next was that everyone else around her began interacting with her differently. And it wasn't that they were interacting differently. It's that the lens of her perception had changed. So we're all wearing this lens of perception that is our reality. And when she changed her perception of herself, that reflected outside. And then her perception of how everyone else was treating her now changed she was like all of a sudden everyone was just friendlier more people are talking to me she was getting a lot of compliments and this all happened and believe it or not she actually sat down and did it in a day oh
0: Um, oh my god
1: (laughs) well because you know what because this was really shocking to her to realize the level of self-hatred that she was at and i think she i think she went into it with that attitude like i have to conquer this um good for her yeah good for her and, um, but I just want people to know, cause it took me so long to do it, that the, the important thing is that you finish. And I don't mean finish like you got to number 98. I mean, cause my story is like, it took me weeks to write this out. My number 99 and my number 100 were the only important ones on the entire list. And let me tell you why. I had to get through 98 things of bullshit to get to the truth. And the truth is that I am a super powerful magnetic creator. And I needed to get through all of those things to get to my truth. And that was so important for me to learn. And I would have never gotten to that reality unless I had gone through, oh, I like my long legs. I like my hair. I like my eyes. You know, I like this. I I like it that I'm a science nerd. I, you know, I love it that, that I love to travel. I had to get through all that stuff. Which is important, but it's anecdotal. Right. It's anecdotal compared to the real truth.
0: Yeah, it's not not the it's not the raw experience of yourself.
1: Yeah. So number ninety nine was I am radiant, which you know I think for to say that to a man, of course, a man is going to look at a woman and think she's radiant. But how many of those women would ever say that about themselves?
0: Very few. In exactly. my experience, very few.
1: Exactly. So you can, because I know you do, you're a relationship
0: coach, right? Uh, I hope I'm, I got I'm, that right. I'm not, I'm not but I'm a life coach, and that, okay. that definitely brings relationships into the conversation at times. So. so,
1: you, I think, from what I know of you and our interactions we had, like, because we talked a lot about the masculine and the feminine. Yes. Um, I remember that clearly in our conversation. So, I think that you get it to understand how powerful of a moment that is for a female to utter those words I am radiant and and like the amount of work it took to get me there and then the 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 last one I am a powerful magnetic creator I mean I was on stage in the hot seat with Abraham Hicks who told me that personally still didn't believe it (laughs) still was like
0: nope, it's not your reality
1: because it wasn't my reality. yeah. But you know what? It was because that was the reality I was creating. I was creating all of this chaos, all of this burdensome stress and all of these things. Why? Because I am a powerful creator. And so if I'm having a stressed out moment, believe me, it is not unusual for a storm to break out right in my city. Like it's because I am, I really am a powerful creator, but I needed to believe that in order to steer those. Cause here's what's really happening. We're always creating all the time. Right. It's just, do you want to control what you're creating or do so you want it to be like chaos? Right. Like I always picture, um, Mickey Mouse. At the top oh, of the mountain, right. yes.
0: The, the wizard, uh, the magician's Fantasia. apprentice or whatever, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so okay, that's my, so I, I really encourage you, um, especially if you're in the book club, please take that, and, and here's the other thing, you don't have to stop reading the book to do the exercise, um, because you want to keep that momentum going, but take your list, try to put 10 things on it a day if you can, and just watch how it unfolds for you.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really excellent to, to again, rewrite that reality. For, for the longest time, I thought people just don't understand me. People just don't understand me. People just don't understand me. And then six months through my, my coach training, you know, we're at the final module and I'm sitting there cross-legged watching all these people doing whatever activity we were asked to do at the time. And I just like stopped and went, oh God, almost everyone in this room gets me oh God, how many people have understood me my entire life and I was so used to this message, I told myself about being a freak or being the weirdo that I hadn't seen all the people that got me. and And that just was so, so critical. And here's a little preview of what's coming up next week. And actually, I think that's a good transition point to talk about Um, building the new normal and specifically you talk about these three prongs of change uh, and those were focus belief and chemistry and i was hoping you could touch on that real quick like the show consider subscribing through my patreon at patreon.com slash life coaching with ryan you'll get early access to shows and potentially a host of other rewards want more you can also find me streaming on twitch at twitch.tv slash life coaching with ryan where i play some games and i continue the conversation I'm pretty active on Instagram. You can find me at instagram.com slash educate4, the number four, underscore life. That's where I do my book club. I record the book club episodes live on Mondays, and then I post them to IGTV. Later, I post them on YouTube. See you next time.